By the way, welcome to Legacy Sunday. Some of you are just like, man, can we just chill out in that for a moment? What I love about this church more than ever, more than anything probably, is that it doesn't matter if you're in the 8 or 10, it's always completely different. Anyone know that? Some people stay for both, and they always say it. Andy at the back, who does sound, he's like, it's different every time. We mess with his systems, and it's sorry about that, Andy. Uh, but yeah, it's true. God just wants to do what he wants to do. And we actually have to allow him to do what he needs to do, don't we? And I believe wholeheartedly God just wants to do some ministry today in the lives. I, I just feel wholeheartedly God wants to do healing. If you, if you need healing in your body, even after the service, please come and get more prayer. You know what I love is that, you know, we can just keep going back. Pray again, pray again, pray again, pray again. I'm just going to keep praying until God comes through because he will. He is faithful, right? He's faithful. Well, it is Legacy Sunday, and um, it's such an amazing day because this is actually, I suppose, the response or the end of a four-week series. And if you've been with us, uh, you would have known that we've talked about this, blessed is the person who plants trees under those who shade, they will never sit. And that's what the tree is all about. At the front, Beck mentioned it before. Who loves that tree, by the way? Who kind of wanted to climb on it, right? It's like talking to Bill in the 8 o'clock. I said, we should put you in the tree and call you Blinky Bill. It'd be good, right? And then Kev was like, I want to be in the tree. Well, I call you Kev Koala and Blinky Bill. You terrorize the children. That's great. But I mean, I just love it. I just love the symbolism of that tree and what God is doing in this place. Um, I know for myself, when um, Beck and I first stepped into this place, there was something so special about this church community. Something so special. The first moment we had was at a worship night. And I remember I was coming off the back of a big week of schools. I was tired. We'd sort of said, yeah, okay, we can come up there and didn't know what to expect. And I remember sitting in these seats and then all of a sudden they, you know, busted out and started for a worship night and I just started bawling my eyes out. First time I cried here and it hasn't stopped because there's something special about what God is doing in this church. Something special about this church. You know, over the last four weeks, we've been talking about finances because this Legacy Sunday is about investing into the future. You know, we've come so far. We stand on the shoulders of great people, 23 years of people that have been faithful, have sown their money, who have brought their talents, their gifts, their worship. But, you know, I believe there's fresh vision. Fresh vision for this church, and I want to share a little bit more about that later on. Uh, if you are here for the first time, can I just say, we are talking about money. We don't do it all the time. And if you come, you do, there's no obligation to give, okay? Just relax. We're not asking you for any money. But we have been talking about biblical principles on finance, how God sees finance, and how we can actually do finance well with God. And last week, I think I probably heard one of the, who was here last week? I think that was one of the best messages I have ever heard, on, and one of the best messages ever on finance and God and how God sees finance. And so if you haven't listened to it, we have the podcast up on our website, but it's only going to be available there for a couple of weeks. So you can listen to it now, but it won't be there always, okay? So make sure you go and listen to that. But one of the things that Ash Gulo shared last week that blew me away was he said, I don't believe that God cares if you have a lot or a little, but He, he does care about your heart. He does care about your heart and how you respond to having a lot or a little, what you do with it. We, in fact, he unpacked Matthew 6, 19, a classic scripture. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And it wraps up this scripture by saying, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
In Matthew, we see Jesus challenging us as his followers, don't get caught up in collecting possessions. Don't get caught up in trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know. But at the end of the day, you will know where someone's heart is by what they spend, right? You, you see their bank account, you'll know their heart. You look at my bank account, you know, oh, as loves good food and good coffee, all right? It's a lot of that in his heart, okay? I just love it. But, you know, where your treasure is, your heart is also such a simple statement, but so profound, so incredibly profound, you know, it's interesting um, when we actually talk about finance too, I think sometimes we come into sessions like today and we can actually start feeling guilt about what we have. We can actually have, feel guilt about money. We feel a little bit like, oh, don't show, I hope people don't know what I've got because, you know, there's all this condemnation that comes with having money and can I enjoy this money or should I be giving that there or whatever. I believe God wants us to call us to a place of balance. He's looking at the heart, constantly looking at your heart. In fact, one of my favorite writers, Solomon, writes the book of Ecclesiastes. If you don't know who Solomon is, Solomon is known to be the wisest man and the richest man that ever lived. And at the end of his lifetime, he starts to describe and write down some things he's observed about his life. And he talks about money a fair bit in Ecclesiastes. And it's so interesting that in Ecclesiastes 5.18, there's a statement about finance. And it says this, this is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Do you notice that? It's good. It's good to be able to enjoy what God has given you. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Don't feel guilty about being able to be blessed. When you're blessed, you can actually be a blessing to others, right? If you genuinely have something to give, it's a beautiful thing. It says this, they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. What a beautiful picture. You know, just this gladness of heart. I'm not even reflecting too much, but maybe we need to stop for a bit and go, look what God has done. Can we just celebrate that? You know, I just want us to understand as, as Christians, as followers of God, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying the fruit of your labor. If you've worked hard, enjoy what He's given you. Share with others around you the blessing that God has placed in your life. When you see someone succeed, my challenge would be to celebrate them. When I see someone do well, I want to celebrate their wins. I want to be the first person to give them a call and say, well done on getting that gig. Well done on getting that, you know, that raise or that a promotion. Well done on your business being successful. Well done on getting that house. God is so good. I want to celebrate the wins. It's interesting that one of the you know, top 10, the sins, uh, do not covet. Do not get jealous of it. Celebrate people in their wins. You know, God wants to bless, but let's be a church that actually doesn't get jealous, but actually goes, I'm so glad that God is blessing you. So glad. You know, the only evil that um, in Ecclesiastes that um, we actually see unpacked by Solomon, he actually says this a little bit further on. Um, he says, I've seen an evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor, so that they lack nothing their hearts desire, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless and a grievous evil. What he's saying is there's, there's a balance here. You know, God doesn't mind you having things working hard, and why does God give us the ability to earn? Why does God give us the ability to be blessed? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 7, verse 8 says this. He kind of sums it up. It says, In all things, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You'll be ready to be the blessing for those around you. You'll have something to share. In fact, if you think about it, 
you know, we know the great scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Notice it doesn't say, love your neighbor, neglect yourself. Now, love your neighbor as yourself. The way you love yourself, love others equally. What you have, bless others around you. I think sometimes we just think to ourselves, oh, well, I don't know. Let's be very clear about this, church. God doesn't care if you have a lot or you have a little. He doesn't care if you keep on growing your wealth or your social status because God keeps opening doors. But He does want to make sure of one thing in your life. He wants to make sure that your character is growing at the same rate as your bank balance. You know, I believe God wants to wants us to deal with our gain. He doesn't, you know, he really, He wants us to understand that gain's not the issue. The importance is how we deal with the gain when we receive it. I remember a few years ago, uh, I had this mentor, and I found him through a church actually I was going to. He was incredibly generous, and um, he ran a development construction business, and over a 15-year period had built a multi-million dollar empire. He lived in a beautiful home, and I used to find it fascinating because I just wanted to learn. I'm one of those inquisitive types. I just want to learn from people that have done it before me. Um, and I used to sit him down and go, tell me everything. Tell me how you did it. What did you do? What, what was going on? And um, I remember sitting down with him, and he'd share with me, and he encouraged me to get into property when I was 20. And he said, doesn't matter. You bought in the worst suburb in the worst street, Woodridge, all right? Um, but he encouraged me to do that. But what was really interesting, he'd grown this empire. And he had faith, but in one year, he lost everything. One year, a bunch of bad deals to some bad business people landed him living in his garage, in the garage of his son's house. Can you imagine that? Being there and then there. But what I loved about hanging out with this guy was actually in this season, I talked to him even more while he didn't have anything. And I remember I wrote this down because he told me some things that were really powerful when it comes to finance. And he said this, as you need to understand that the world will tell you that you are the number in your bank account. That is your value. He says, you know, when you log into your bank account, and you see the number. He said, don't allow that to place the value on your life. It's just a number. It's just a number. Because you can earn more of those numbers, you can have less of those numbers. He said, add a zero to that number, you might get to a next status in your life. You might actually add another zero, you might get to another stage, you're invited to events you never thought you'd get invent, you know, invited to. It'll open all sorts of doors. But he said, <coughs> he, I remember him saying to me, as whatever you do, don't strive after numbers. Don't strive after that, that is not your value. He said, what you should be trying to do is growing your character and loving people. Strive in that. He's like, yes, that number can fast track your life in getting places, but it's just a number. Your value isn't found in that number. It's not found in who you, um, who you are, but whose you are. Your value is not found in who you are when it comes to your number, but whose you are. He said, your identity needs to be secure in Christ no matter the season. God wants your heart. He wants to know that you have good character. I'll never forget this. I wrote it down. God wants your heart. He wants to know that you have good character. Isn't it powerful? Interestingly, this guy, uh, about two years later, because of all the knowledge he had, he rebuilt his business and all of a sudden he's back in the black. It was amazing. What he lost for 15 years, rebuilt in three. And he's an incredibly generous man. He just gives and gives and gives and gives. And I'm like, wow. 
you know, I think this integrity thing and the heart of character is a, a really big part of finance. Um, you know, I think sometimes we forget that it's very serious when Luke 16, 10, when Jesus says, hey, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. We've heard that, right? Let me ask you a question. Anyone ever found five bucks before? Everyone found five dollars? He's like, oh yeah, five bucks, right? I'm off to KFC or something, you know? So five bucks. Anyone ever found ten dollars? Found ten dollars? Anyone found twenty? Twenty bucks. Cool. Anyone found fifty dollars before? Did you give it back? Did you find the person? You didn't. How'd you give it back then? It was your husband's. No? No? You gave it to the store. You found it in a store. Do you know if they gave it back to the person? You have no idea. They probably just went, thank you, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Okay, you felt God. That's what God said to you. Anyone found $100? $100 in a car park. Living the dream. All right. <laughs> Anyone found $1,000 or $500? Anyone? Because I want to, you have 200 Where'd you find $200? Can, in a Canadian ATM. I hope you weren't holding a gun behind them. Oh, isn't that interesting? You have some money in your hand, sir. <laughs> Drop it. Okay. Uh, you took the receipt and left the money. The guy. Okay. And did you chase this guy down? You didn't know he was. So you went, it's dinner for us. You paid it back. Okay. That's good on you. Well, here's the thing. Like God, I believe, is constantly testing us with finance stuff, right? He gives us these opportunities and we have to respond to certain stuff. And I remember a few years ago that God, I believe, was sending me a bit of a test. In fact, it was a long time ago, um, but I'll always remember this story. I remember I'd knocked off radio in Brisbane about 10 p.m. at night, called a friend of mine, Joe, said, let's go to Max Brenner on the Gold Coast because it's the only Max Brenner open at the time. We road trip down there, had some Nutella pizza, and we're driving back. And on the Gold Coast Highway at about 11 p.m. at night, we're just driving along, minding our own business, and all of a sudden, a $50 note flicked over my windscreen. And I'm like, what the heck was that? And my friend Joe goes, that was money. All of a sudden, another $50 note flies over my windscreen. All of a sudden, it's starting to rain money on my windscreen. And I pull up my car on the highway, and I yell at Joe. I'm like, go get it, right? And so... She's out there, and then now I'm out on the highway. No one's around, and we're yelling because there's money everywhere, and we're picking up this cash, right? And uh, it was just amazing. We actually collected about $1,000, and as we're walking back to the car, just like, oh, my gosh, we found a wallet. <laughs> so we open the wallet, and there's no ID in it. Yes. <laughs> and then Joe goes, as I found a library card. I'm like, oh, my gosh, right? Anyway, I'm not going to tell much more of the story because these stories, I believe, are really important. But when I share stories, sometimes people go, did that really happen? Is he making that up for a story? So what I did this week, I went and looked up my phone. I was like, I wonder if this girl's phone number is the same. I haven't talked to her over a decade. So I called her literally in the week. And she's like, as Hamilton? I said, yeah. And so I FaceTimed her and I said, I want you to tell your version of the story. So anyway, check out the screen. (laughs) Joe, it's so great to see you. So good to see you as well. It's been a while. How long has it actually been? I've just obviously just uh, I think it's what fourteen years. Yeah, I think about two thousand and seven. <laughs> and where are you at the moment? I'm in Melbourne in lockdown. Oh, great! And yes. it's freezing down there. I mean, it's been cold in Queensland, but we've got nothing to complain about. It has been very dreary this week, raining every day, but. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the reason I've got you on this uh, little call is because I've just shared a story about one of my favourite moments in my life with God's provision. 
<laughs> as you could call it. And um, I'm not going to share much more because I've just shared about how I went with a friend to Max Brenner to the Gold Coast because we didn't have Max Brenner in Brisbane. We didn't. And uh, we thought late night pizzas, chocolate pizzas is a good thing. Um, that's all I'm going to say because I want you to share the story about what happened because I've shared it. And when I share stories like this, people go, did that really happen? Like, that, that, that stuff doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't happen. But, so can you share what you remember from that night? Yeah. And we'd had Nutella pizzas. And we're on our way back to Brisbane, and we'd just passed Australia Fair. All of this money just started hitting our screen, like fifty dollars. <laughs> um, and I remember so we were screaming in the car, and I had said, "Oh my gosh, like it's raining money from heaven!" Like, <laughs> what the heck? And that's when I pulled up the car, and I think yes. I said to you, "Joe, get out, go get it." So we were just running out. It was quite dark, but we managed. I think I had maybe had a little torch on my phone. I can't remember now. And we picked up all of this money. I think it was between eight hundred and a thousand dollars worth of money. And then we found the wallet. Mm. Um. So we picked up the wallet, and then it was the debate the whole way home: Do we give it back? <laughs> yep. I, opening up the wallet, seeing a, a receipt in there and they had like $300,000 in the bank and I said to you, they're not going to miss this money. Like we could keep it and split it and they, they won't care. And I, I don't know if you remember, I was sharing this before, like there was literally, the only ID in that wallet was their library card. It was, a, it was a random name of a library card and you were like, it could have just been on the highway. That may not even be the owners. Like this is probably bikey money or something. It could be anything. Um, and there was all these gift cards in there. And anyway, you ended up saying we should give it back. So you went and returned it. I don't know how you figured out where they lived. Well, I, I followed up the library and the I found library, out through yeah. the, yeah. And then from that, I think he was the, the couple that you gave it back to were just so stoked that we'd returned all of the money that we hadn't kept any for ourselves. Um, and then you were able to share a bit of the gospel with him. Yep. Which was the thing. And they gave us, I think, like $50 each. Yeah, a bit, bit stingy. I thought we could have. I mean, I drove, <laughs> drove all the way back to the Gold Coast, but that's all right. That's okay. I just remember you were you were probably in uni at the time. I remember you were so like, as, I need this money. I need this money. <laughs> yeah. And I was a bit the same. I was like, I'm a poor boy. I need this money. But anyway. We did the right thing. We did yeah. the right thing. And, I'm, and what a story. Do you tell people often, oh, yeah, I remember the time that, you know, Money rained down. I have told it a few times over the years. <laughs> but it a long time ago. Like, I don't think of it that often. But, yes, oh. it did happen. Well, thank you for confirming because I thought, you know, I tell these stories. They actually sound too crazy to happen, but it happened. And it um, I appreciate you for being there to go, yep, it happened as. It did. It did happen. <laughs> well, look, it's great to see you after all these years. Enjoy Melbourne and your lockdown. Thank you. I think we're going into one at the moment. Who knows with this new breakout? Because of your people. Can't keep up. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. See Bye. ya. Anyway, so there you go. A little, little memory. A little memory, yeah.
It was so funny, just having a good chat. I was like, we've got to talk about this. This is just so weird. Um, but what you mentioned there, what I wanted to bring up is that God did some amazing things through that experience. We literally argued the whole way home. Like, can we keep it? Like, she was so like, we can keep it. There's a 300,000 redraw and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, no, we got to do what's right. It's blood money. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of, Ooh. And so, finally, I did. I tracked him down. I drove back to the Gold Coast, like, the next day. This guy couldn't believe I'd found his wallet. And when I returned it, he's like, it's all there. And there was gift cards in this wallet. And I said, I just don't understand what happened, mate. Like, how did this even occur? And he said, you probably saved our relationship, me and my fiance's relationship. It's actually all the money from a baby shower we had yesterday. Um, what happened was we'd had all this cash given to us and all these gift cards. I'd put it in my wallet. We had a fight putting the kid in the car. And I put my wallet on the roof. And he, when I told him where this money had fallen out, he said, we must have driven two and a half Ks before the money started to flick out in front of your car. And he said, honestly, last night, he said, my wife or my fiance and I have been driving up and down the highway for two and a half hours and we got so angry at each other and we're like, the money's gone. The mo-, and he goes, and you've brought it all back. And he's like, you're like a modern day good Samaritan, you know? And he was really emotional. I actually got to share just that God loves you, mate. You know, I remember thinking, you know, I'm just going to use this opportunity. And I shared that, and he gave us about 50 bucks each. And I thought, yeah, a bit stingy, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> drove all the way back, said, Joe, we got some money. How much? 50 bucks. Oh, that's not going to help. Anyway, so, but it's interesting, isn't it? Every time we do what's right, and every time we actually decide to do what's God's way, that every test can bring glory to God can bring glory to God. And I remember that story, and I laugh, and I'm like, God, that was just a test. Like, how much do you need that cash? And I, I'm like, you know, I'm really happy we did what we did. But, you know, when it comes down to it, when it comes to finance or anything in this life, I think we can learn a lot today from King Solomon. I want to share with you an idea or a thought from King Solomon, the world's richest man. He was also the wisest king, but he wasn't always that way. He grew into it. In fact, I want to pick up a story. It's one of my favorite stories. In 1 Kings 3, 3 to 14, it says this, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given by his father, David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. I love that in that first moment, it sort of states there's a couple of things Solomon hasn't quite got right yet. Hasn't quite got right yet. He's doing the best he can. He's learned it from his dad. And it says this, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for, for, whatever, for, for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Isn't that such an interesting statement? He identifies, he's like, I'm only young. I'm not going to get this right. I'm I'm just in this place. I've been put in this place of kingship. I'm now on the throne, but I'm going to point out who I am right now. He says this, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. 
I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. What a story. That at a young age, this guy understands something so important. Above all else, above everything, I need wisdom. I need discernment. You know, I could actually spend weeks just unpacking this story and everything in that passage. I love that he says, give your servant a discerning heart to distinguish what is right from wrong. Other versions say, give me an understanding mind or give me wisdom. Who knows in our life every day we need wisdom. We need to know what's right and what's wrong. We need to be able to discern big decisions. Maybe when it comes to like buying a house or where you should send your kids to school or should I, you know, do this or do that. We need wisdom. We need discernment. And because Solomon asked for wisdom, everything flowed from it. Everything flowed from that wisdom. You know, this legacy series, we've been talking about the future of this church and the fact that we have this dream of having our own home. You know, my prayer for Beck and I as we lead Elevation Church Redlands into this next season is that we too will have wisdom and discernment. You know, who knows that we could have all the money in the world come into this place. If we don't have wisdom and discernment, we might not be able to use it right. So we need wisdom and discernment. I believe that God's going to bring it. I believe that God's going to allow us to be diligent with this vision. I want to clarify a few things about this legacy gift today. Um, you would have received your legacy cards um, to fill out. And it's interesting when it comes to these sort of gifts, people go, what's it going towards? Like, where's this money going? I want to be very clear about where this money is going. And we will be diligent and steward what we say we're going to do. We've talked about upgrading some of the equipment in this church, which we have to do as sound equipment. So some money will go there. We've actually set up a new bank account specifically for our building. It will not be dipped into won't be dipped into so we can eat some food or we can do this or that. Whatever you give today to Legacy, that will not go towards wages. It will not go towards anything else that we do in this church community for this season. What we're saying is that we, I wholeheartedly believe that just comes from the tithe. That comes from our weekly giving. This is an over and above place. But there's another thing I want to share with you because sometimes we can get confused with these sort of visions. Um, on those cards, you can select tax deductibility or not. If you give and you need a tax deductible receipt, I get it. I run a business. I understand. You need to write off everything. However, if you want to give to the future home that we're talking about, unfortunately, we can't give you a tax deductibility opportunity because the government doesn't, you know, we can't do it. So that's up to you. If you do need a tax deductible donation, we've got a whole bunch of community things we can put that finance together towards, but it won't be for the building, just so you know. I want you to understand, church, that Beck and I really believe we want to we want to steward this well. I believe God's placed it on my heart that we need our own home. And this is the reason for it. It's about stewardship, a lot of it. We're actually at a place, I believe, as a church where we've done amazing things for 23 years. But we're in a position with our finances where uh, we're able to sustain our rent here. 
which is the equivalent to paying off about a two and a half million dollar building, right? And I'd love us to be in a position where we go, we're not paying off someone else's building, but we're paying off our own. So in 30 years time, your kids' kids will have a home and no debt and can be doing some amazing things in the community, okay? That's what it's about. It's not about, oh, so we can have big, bright lights and smoke. You know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about sowing seed today for tomorrow. It's not about me. It's not about Beck. It's, it's simply about being good stewards. You know, last week, I love that Ash Gulo actually said, he goes, the job of the pastor is set the vision. He said, the pace in which it's set is on the church. So you know, I'm putting my, you know, nothing to see here, right? No, but that's the vision, to have our own home. And I believe over the next, it will take time. It's not going to be something that happens tomorrow, but we'll bring our best and God will do the rest. I believe 18 to 24 months, I feel that in my spirit, we will have a home. That's, that's what I believe for. You know, there's time and time again, you might go, well, is, it, is it building funds and things like that? Time and time again in Scripture, uh, there's moments where like, you know, you've got David and Solomon building the temple. But one of the, the most beautiful stories I was reading this week in Exodus 35 really caught my attention. Moses was building the tabernacle. He had this vision for, the, for a place for God to reside. And um, he actually brings the people together and he says this. He says this, he goes, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, or bronze. And the list goes on, all these other things you could bring, right? And um, he just says, whoever's willing. This was not like, you have to do this. It was just, whoever's willing, we've got a vision for a place for God to reside. In verse 20 of 35, it says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting. Right? Their hearts were moved. They saw it. They caught it. They were like, I'm bringing it. It's amazing. In verse 29, it goes on, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose hearts were moved, brought things for the work of the Lord, just as commanded, as a free will offering to the Lord. It's amazing. But this is the moment that it really broke me this week. It was like reading this was like, oh my gosh. Wow. So there's this point where the craftsmen have now got all this resource coming in to build this place that God can move. And it says, So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from their task that they were doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. They're stressing about the giving. We got too much. So Moses gave command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or women do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. Can you imagine that? A place where it's like, here you go, here you go, here's some more, here's some more. They're like, we don't need any more. And people are like, don't care, here's some more, here's some more, here's some more. And he has to actually decree, stop it. Amazing. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. And that last line just smacked me. For the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. What a beautiful picture. What an amazing time it must have been. 
the celebration and the joy, the sheer understanding that I'm part of something so much bigger than myself. I'm part of building a place that will be known for, you know, generation to generation. We're still talking about it. Think about that. The seed that was sown right then, the reason they sowed it like they sowed it, we're talking about it today. They had no idea the seed they were planting. You know, church, I believe wholeheartedly that God is doing something super special in this church. It gets me really excited. Really excited. God's doing something incredible in this church. My encouragement today is that you'll just be part of it in some way. For some of you, your capacity is five bucks and it will break you. For others, you could give $50,000 and you wouldn't feel a pinch. It's not about the amount, it's about your heart. The reason I'm saying just be part of it, I would love for every one of us to go, when we do step into that next season, that each and every one of us will go, I was part of that. I was part of that. In a moment, we're going to have an item and um, we've got those legacy cards around and um, if you need a pen, because we're going to actually give you a chance just to fill it out, pray with your family, like be in agreement with your family. Can I say, this shouldn't bring division, it should bring unity, right? You're praying together. We're going to have a, an item and then after that, um, after you've filled that out, um, Beck and I are going to pray a blessing over you guys. Even if you don't give, don't worry about the giving. So as I said, if you are new, this is nothing, you just chill out. (laughs) There's nothing expected there. And once again, it's actually the same for those that do call this home. If you feel any guilt or shame or condemnation or, you know, can I just say, just leave it today. Go and pray about it. Don't do it. Do it with a heart of joy, okay? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.